Tiki Hut Media. From Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, this is Soul Ramblings Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Wicker. I'm the lead minister over at Manatee Life. Today, we'll be heading over to the sanctuary as we begin a brand new series. It's called Famous Last Words. This is Today, we start the first of a four-week series leading up to Easter, and we're looking at the final words of Jesus from the cross before he gave up his life. Today, we'll look at Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's coming up. And this morning, before heading into the studio for today's podcast, I spent some time reading John chapter 4. Now, this is the account of Jesus and the woman at the well. You want to talk about a complex character. Not only is she a woman, but a woman who had been married five times and was living with a man whom she's not married to. Now, that was that's definitely kind of frowned upon in today's society, but even more so in Jesus' time. Now, this woman was also, this woman at the well, was also a Samaritan, someone who Jesus' people would have seen as unclean or dirty. Even engaging in conversation with her is something that the community that Jesus was a part of would have considered impure. She was full of doubt, but she was not afraid to raise her concerns and questions. How did Jesus respond to this? He responded to it with patience and respect, and even asking her for a drink of water. Jesus was tired, and she had nourishment to offer him. Jesus engaged her and empowered her to be one of the first recorded missionary preachers of the Bible. It's easy for me to think that, due to my own past mistakes, that I am somehow unfit for Jesus' love, much like that woman, let alone leadership in the community of Christ at a church. Jesus knows how to use each and every one of us to share the good news with those who are suffering. He knows how we could help others experience a better and more full life with Jesus. This Lenten season, I must ask myself, what pieces of my past do I think make me unclean and unfit for Jesus' love that he can use to share that love with others? I must challenge myself to stop living in shame and start living in the light of a resurrected Jesus. Will you join me? If so, let us then pray to help us heal in a way where we can see our full worth and help us heal in a way that we can help those around us know him in such a way where they can heal as well. Let's head over to the sanctuary for the first in a sermon series, Famous Last Words. This is Father Forgive Them. scripture reading for the morning, just a couple of verses from Luke's gospel, the 23rd chapter, starting with verse 32. Hear these holy words. They also led two other criminals to be executed with Jesus. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They drew lots as a way of dividing up his clothing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, 
Prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. As I said during the children's moment, last words are very important. Last words, a lot of times, sum up the life of the person who has lived. I'll give you a couple of examples. I remember recently reading the story of opera tenor Richard Versal. During a performance, he climbed up a ladder for a special scene, and he sang these words. Too bad you can only live so long. Immediately after singing these words, he fell from his ladder and he died. Now, he didn't plan it that way, but those were his last words. Lou Costello of the comedy team Abbott and Costello from many years ago, he had a strawberry ice cream soda as his last meal, and he said, That was the best ice cream soda I've ever tasted. Those were his final words. In his final words, Humphrey Bogart said, I should never have switched from scotch to martinis. (laughs) The great evangelist D.L. Moody said in his final words, I see earth receding and heaven is opening. God is calling me. The founder of the Methodist movement, John Wesley, on his deathbed, his final words were, the best of all is, God is with us. The author of the hymn, I Surrender All, in his final hours, he could be heard whispering the words, all to Jesus, I surrender, all to Jesus, I surrender, and he had gotten to the point where he was so weak that in his final breath, he said, I surrender. That was all he could muster to say. Famous last words. What we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at the famous last words of a dying Savior, Jesus Christ. As he was suffering on the cross, he uttered phrases that, are the most famous words in all the world. Today, we're going to look at the first one. Today, we're going to be standing on holy ground. I want you to come with me. We're standing on holy ground. We're standing before the cross of Christ. At the cross, we see Jesus as he hangs between two thieves. We see the soldiers. We see the swelling crowd, and we hear their mocking taunts and shouts. We see the cross stained with the blood of Christ. We see the darkness of the sky, and we can feel the ground begin to shake beneath us. Everything we see and hear at the cross plays a vital role in the crucifixion. Every part, every moment at the cross has a story and a message to tell. But today, as we approach the cross, I want you to open up your heart and hear these first final words of Jesus. Every breath for him was a struggle. And of all that he could have said from the cross, these are the final words he chose us to hear. And hear them we must. 
It's absolutely amazing that the suffering Savior, in the middle of this anguish and pain, looked up to heaven and prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Famous last words. This prayer of Jesus, they've got a ton of significance for us. Here are three things about that. First, when Jesus prayed that prayer, we got to realize he fulfilled prophecy. He fulfilled prophecy when he prayed that prayer. 700 years before this, before the crucifixion, Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53, 12 said, speaking of Jesus, that he poured out his life unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors, a criminal on the left, a criminal on the right. Goes on to say, for he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession. Intercession, meaning he prayed. Father, forgive them. With that prayer, Jesus fulfilled prophecy, a 700-year-old prophecy. That's amazing. Second thing about this prayer is that Jesus is modeling the importance of prayer for us. Jesus was a person of prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer that we prayed just a few moments ago, Jesus starts out, this is how you should pray, our Father. And that's what he did. Interesting note about prayer Jesus began his earthly ministry with what? A prayer. Jesus is ending his earthly ministry with a prayer. He was a man of prayer. And the third thing is this. In praying this, Jesus reveals our greatest need. Forgiveness of sin. So the first famous last words Jesus said as his body was in shock and he struggled for breath was a prayer. And it wasn't just any prayer. It was a shockingly radical prayer. It was a prayer of perfect love and compassion. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And we could ask, well, who was Jesus praying for? Who was the them Jesus was asking the Father to forgive? Well, he was, of course, praying for the soldiers who cruelly tortured his body and crucified him, and they were now throwing dice or casting lots to see who would get his clothes. But were they the only ones? No. He was also praying for the crowd who was sneering and shaking their heads and verbally assaulting him. Then there were, of course, the religious leaders who conspired with the Romans to have him killed in the first place. And he hung there in the most agonizing pain possible. And he prayed for those people right there. Father, forgive them. It's astounding. What mercy. What mercy. This is, no doubt, one of the most powerful images in all the world. This is love at its best. And there's something or someone else I would say, that's included in Jesus' prayer. There's someone else for whom Jesus was pleading from the cross for God's mercy. 
And that someone else is us. The entire human race. We are among the them that Jesus was praying for as he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. There's a hymn, a spiritual really. Many of you may know it. And in the hymn it asks this question. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I would say the answer to that question is yes. The entire human race was there. The death of Jesus is an event that transcends all time. I was there. You were there. The rich person in the suburbs was there. The homeless person under the bridge was there. The person or persons who have hurt us with their words and actions were there. We were all there. And Jesus prayed for all of us. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is God's word made flesh. So Jesus is God's messenger, and at the same time, he is God's message. He's both messenger and message. Every part of Jesus' life was God's word. And on the cross, the sins of the world, all the hatred, unfaithfulness, bigotry, poverty, violence, and death, all of that were placed on, as John the baptizer referred to him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When we see Jesus hanging on the cross, we're meant to see the costliness of God's grace. You see, our sin is no big thing. Excuse me, our sin is no little thing. It is a big thing to God. The Son of God was crucified for our sin. But at the same time, we're also meant to see on the cross God's willingness to offer us forgiveness. His forgiveness, mercy, and love. And even though Jesus' death for the sins of the world is something which has already occurred, for each one of us, it only becomes real if we accept it in the present, the here, and the now. God knows the things that you have done that you may be embarrassed about or ashamed of. God knows your humanity and how easily we all get off track. And yet, knowing all of that, all that you and I have ever done, all that we will ever do, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. How does that make you feel? All you've ever done. If you were the only person, Jesus would have done it for you. All you've ever done. Jesus not only wants to forgive us our sins, he wants us to take up our cross and follow him. And those of us who choose to follow Jesus are called by God to forgive as he has forgiven. When we pray, again, going back to the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're asking God to forgive us 
using our forgiveness of others as the measuring stick. That's some heavy, heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. Because it can be hard for us to forgive. When we've been hurt by someone we love and trust, we get angry, we get sad, we get confused. When we're treated in a way that we resent, we can easily be swallowed up in bitterness and a desire for revenge. But in allowing God to guide us and enable us to let go of grudges, we might just find that our lives will no longer be defined by how we've been hurt. We might even find that we will have compassion and understanding for the person who hurt us. But we've got we've to be careful here. Remember, forgiveness takes time. Forgiveness takes time. There can be no doubt that forgiveness is the answer to so much of the pain in the world. It's the key to relationships in every area of life. If we hold grudges, we're going to be miserable. Holding a grudge and, not, and having that unforgiveness in our heart, the best analogy I've ever heard is me drinking poison and hoping you die. That's what unforgiveness does to us. That's what those grudges, it kills us. It doesn't hurt them. It kills us. And Jesus knows this. But again, forgiveness is hard. Even the disciples struggled with forgiveness. They, they asked Jesus, how often must we forgive? Is, is seven times enough? Is that enough? Jesus said, no, 77 times, which is another way of saying we are to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving without limit. On the cross, Jesus' first famous last words were the gospel in a nutshell. Father, forgive them. It's the reason Jesus came to this earth, to forgive us, save us, and make us new. Part of that newness of life is learning to forgive one another. Forgive others. So, let's all ask ourselves this question this morning. A couple of questions. Am I currently holding a grudge against another person? Is there someone who has hurt me that I've not been able to forgive? Does the thought of that person make my blood boil? Cause me to feel depressed or angry. Take a moment to think about people who have wronged us. And as we do and enter into this time of communion, I ask us to remember forgiveness is why Jesus came. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's why he came. He came so that we could have life. That's why at the Last Supper, sitting around a table with his closest friends, he held up a glass of wine. And Jesus said, in this cup is my blood. It's recorded this way in Matthew's Gospel. This is my blood of the covenant. We call it the new covenant. Which is poured out for the what? For forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus revealed our greatest need, forgiveness of sins. So, in a moment, you're invited to come forward, receive the elements, and pray, whomever that person is, Father, forgive them. And then leave all that anger, all that pain at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now receive this benediction. Go forth in peace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you. Have a great week. Walk with Jesus Christ and tell somebody about Manatee Life Church. Go in peace. Amen. That's definitely some heavy stuff there. Forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Famous last words from Jesus. We'll continue with our series, Famous Last Words, next week as we unpack the depth and practical application of the final words of Jesus that he uttered before giving his life. Next week, we'll look at, my God, my God, why? I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today here on Soul Ramblings Podcast. Lots of podcasts out there that you can listen to. You chose to spend your time with us today, and I am so, so thankful and grateful for that gift. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast today. You'll never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast when you do. You can get social with us on Facebook and Instagram. Got links to the pages in the show notes. You can also check out Manatee Life Church online manatealife.church. Got a link in the show notes. You can live stream every Sunday morning at 1030 Eastern time on the website and also on YouTube. Links are on the webpage. So just go there for more information. And before I head out today, I got a last piece of advice for you. This is Philippians 4, 8 from the Phillips translation of the New Testament. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. From Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, I'll see you here next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Mm-hmm.